Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 661 for the 22nd of September, 2019. This week, in an effort to be helpful, some smartphone manufacturers, service providers, and apps want to send messages and reminders. There are ways to tame the deluge. In short circuits, BIOS updates are always problematic. Should we install them or ignore them? The old advice was generally to ignore them, but that advice needs to be modified when security issues are involved. Did you sign up for the $125 Equifax settlement thinking you might actually get $125? Dream on. In spare parts, only on the website, the Digital Citizens Alliance says online services such as Facebook and Google are not doing enough to keep sellers of illegal drugs off their systems. QBE North America has launched processes and insurance designed to protect their clients from cyber threats. And 20 years ago, digital cameras were just beginning to gain acceptance as sensors captured enough data to make snapshot-sized photos. Comedian and actor W.C. Fields reportedly said, A woman drove me to drink and I didn't even have the decency to thank her. Your smartphone may not be driving you to drink, but it might be driving you to distraction. There are ways to tame the beast and avoid that trip over to distraction. My wife recently upgraded from a flip phone that was around 15 years old to a much more modern Android smartphone. Being the one tasked with setting up electronic devices, I was the one who had the first pass at which notifications to leave active and which to turn off. I turned off most of them and in the process began to evaluate the settings on my own phone. I knew that my wife would not want the phone to notify her every time an email arrived, every time somebody sent her a private message, or every time a Facebook group she follows received an update. She spends about as much time as I do near a computer, so she doesn't need the phone reminders then, and she doesn't want the needless reminders when she's out of the house. You can turn off most of the notifications, or limit the times when you'll hear them, or some combination of the two. We both have Android phones which have a lot of settings. iOS devices generally have fewer settings. Apple and Android phones have substantially different approaches. For iOS devices, Apple reserves many of the settings to developers. That makes the phone easier to use, but can be frustrating if you want to change something and find there's not really a way to do it. Android devices have so many settings that the menu of things that can be changed seems infinitely long and infinitely deep. You can change just about anything if you can find the setting, and change it even if making the change creates a problem for you. So you get to choose the kind of frustration you want, the kind iOS phones provide, or the kind that Android phones supply. There is no frustration-free phone. I have an iPad, but an iPad is not a phone. The only phones I have access to are Android devices, so what I'll describe here definitely applies to most Android phones that are running version 9 of the operating system. 
Some manufacturers change settings that are available. That can be a frustration of its own. Nonetheless, much of what's here probably applies to your Android phone, and a lot of what's here will also apply to your Apple phone. First, there is the big hammer. Just set the phone to Do Not Disturb, and it won't bother you at all. Of course, you might miss some important phone calls and calendar reminders. It's possible to set Do Not Disturb while allowing calls from people in your contact list to get through. That can still block calls that you might want to receive, though. So the big hammer is usually not a good choice. Instead, open the Settings app, find Apps and Notifications, open it, and then tap See All Apps. If you have a lot of apps installed, this might be a huge list, but it does provide a granular approach to controlling notifications. Instead of just on or off, users can specify which installed apps are allowed to send which kinds of alerts, and whether the alerts should include sound. You can scroll through the apps, see which ones trigger notifications, and adjust the settings as you prefer. To eliminate unwanted phone calls, I use Nomo Robo. For example, I generally don't want to hear from restaurants. And I visited the email application Bluemail and turned off notifications for all accounts. If you have one account that you always want to be notified, just leave that on. I take a look at the email application occasionally when I'm not in the office, so I really don't need or want real-time notifications when messages arrive. I'm pondering which messenger categories might reasonably be silenced. So far, I have allowed the calendar to notify me about everything, because these are things that I generally want to know about even when I'm away from the computer. But it means that I'll receive duplicate or sometimes triplicate reminders when I'm at home one from the desktop computer, another from the iPad, and a third from the phone. Android makes it possible to enable or disable sounds and vibrations for individual types of notifications. If your phone has a lot of apps, it might take a while to work through what seems like an endless list of possibilities, but the phone will be a lot less annoying when you're done. On iOS devices, you'll find notifications in the device's settings. From there, you can specify options for each application. Most have three options, lock screen, notification center, and banners. Some people find banners, which appear on top of any app you're using, to be the most annoying. You can also specify whether banners appear and stay on the screen until you dismiss them, or just pop up and then disappear. Sounds and vibrations can also be enabled or disabled for each app. On both iOS and Android devices, some apps have their own settings that can allow certain types of notifications to be turned off. Messenger apps usually have options to set alerts per message type. It just takes time to search through the operating system menus and the menus of the various apps. But it's usually time well spent. In addition to settings for and within individual apps, the Do Not Disturb option can silence the phone entirely when you don't want to be disturbed. That's the big hammer. You do that during working hours, perhaps, and after your normal bedtime. Do Not Disturb can be set up to turn on and off automatically at the times you prefer. To be sure you don't miss an overnight emergency call from a friend or family member, you can set the Do Not Disturb option to allow calls from those in your contact list, the entire contact list, or from specific people in the contact list to ring at any time. 
Separate from the settings we've already covered, you can control when notifications appear on your phone. If you're happy to be interrupted at lunchtime, for example, but not during work hours, that's straightforward to configure. And there are options for Do Not Disturb, too. Instead of eliminating all notifications, you might turn off sounds but leave banners on, or turn off sounds and banners but leave vibration on. There's another method that takes less time initially, and it might be a better choice even though it probably takes more time in the long run. After the initial pass to eliminate reminders from applications you're sure you want to silence, take a moment each time you receive a new reminder and either adjust the settings for the app immediately or jot down a reminder to review it later. iOS devices are less granular, but there is one additional clever option. Long press the Do Not Disturb button, and one of the options you'll see is to leave Do Not Disturb on until the device leaves the current location. Fortunately, there are online references for both kinds of phones and the various iterations of their operating systems. That information, along with some investigation by the user and a little of your time, will make your phone stop interrupting you needlessly. In short circuits, remember the old days, maybe three years ago? Back then, I recommended avoiding most BIOS updates. That's still reasonable in some cases, but conditions are different now than they were in the old days. Your computer manufacturer might offer a BIOS update. Your router might tell you there's a BIOS update available. It's a good idea to install updates for operating systems and applications as soon as they're released, or shortly thereafter. And it's essential if the updates are intended to fix security issues. BIOS updates can also be issued to address security issues, but a little additional caution is wise. Start by reading about the update. If it's a security update, do plan to install it. If it's intended to fix a bug, think about whether the bug affects you. In addition to security updates, bug fixes should be installed when it's intended to fix a problem you're aware of. Once you've decided that the BIOS update is one you do need to install, download it from the website instead of using an automated installation process. While you're on the manufacturer's website, also download the BIOS file that's currently installed on your computer or modem. That's a safety measure, so you can get back to the previous version if the new one creates problems instead of solving them. Store both the old version and the new version on the computer, and for added safety, put a copy of both files on a thumb drive. BIOS updates are almost always provided as zip files, so open the file and read the instructions. I usually print the instructions so I can follow along and check off steps as I complete them. Now, normally this is not a complex process, one, two, maybe three steps, but it is essential to follow the instructions exactly. BIOS, which you undoubtedly already know, is an acronym for Basic Input-Output System. It's what holds the firmware used at boot time to initialize the computer's or the router's hardware. For computers, the BIOS performs some additional tests and loads code needed to continue the boot process by reading information from a disk drive. The BIOS once provided runtime services for the operating system and programs that run on the computer, although that function has generally been eliminated. 
BIOS on a router also controls the device's security functions. Updating the BIOS on a router I once used would render the attached network storage drive invisible. I found that out the hard way. Then I rolled back to the previous BIOS and never updated it again. I found out later the real problem was not so much the BIOS, but a problem with the disk drive that was attached to the router. So before you install a BIOS update, first confirm you need it. And if you do, prepare for the worst. The update probably will perform painlessly and as expected. But for those few times when it doesn't, it's much easier to recover from if you're prepared to deal with it. If you thought you'd see any cash compensation from the Equifax data breach settlement, forget it. So many people submitted claims that the stamp on the envelope might be worth more than the check inside the envelope. In September 2017, Equifax announced that attackers had gained unauthorized access to the personal information of approximately 147 million U.S. consumers, including names, social security numbers, birth dates, addresses, and sometimes driver's license numbers, credit card numbers, and other personal information. Class action suits were filed almost immediately. As a result, Equifax will pay at least $380,500,000 into a consumer restitution fund. The money will be used to pay consumers for expenses and losses that they can prove, purchase credit monitoring services, pay alternative reimbursement compensation to those who already have credit monitoring, pay several other types of expenses, and, shown at the bottom of the list, pay attorney's fees, costs, and expenses. Equifax is supposed to pay another $125 million if the original funds are all used. Now let's do some math here. 147 million consumers were affected. Equifax is on the hook for a total of $505,500,000. Maybe. Although some weasel words in the agreement might reduce that substantially. So even without considering payments for provable loss and attorney's fees that would probably be paid first, that comes out to $3.43 for each of the 147 million affected consumers. Of course, they won't all apply. Once the other claims are paid and the attorneys are paid, those who filed for alternative reimbursement compensation will probably be lucky to receive a check for a dollar. Or, as the Equifax Data Breach Settlement Manager says, because of the number of individuals who have selected the alternative compensation cash payment, the amount you receive may be substantially less than $125. So, now consumers are being told that their claim will be denied if they can't prove that they already have a credit monitoring service, or that they can choose four years of free credit monitoring for Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian at no cost and with the promise that no attempt will be made to upsell those who choose the option. Those who choose credit monitoring can also sign up for an additional six years of Equifax monitoring. Please note, the message from the administrator says, that if you switch to credit monitoring, you will no longer be eligible for the alternative compensation cash payment. Did you ever watch a magician tell a participant from the audience to 
take any card and then force the person to take a specific card? This feels a lot like that, doesn't it? There are no forced cards, weasel words, or corporate tricks in spare parts, but you do have to visit the website. This week, the Digital Citizens Alliance says online services such as Facebook and Google are not doing enough to keep sellers of illegal drugs off their systems. QBE North America has launched processes and insurance designed to protect their clients from cyber threats. And 20 years ago, digital cameras were just beginning to gain acceptance as sensors captured enough data to make snapshot size photos. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.